Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 87 for the week of June 1st, 2020. I'm Mike McComb and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey Ben. Hey Mike. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we'll be talking about other song contests that happened this spring. How's it going, Ben? That is such an interesting question right now, Mike. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm pleased enough that I'm sort of tamping down my usual Midwestern uh, answer to that question, which is uh, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, I don't know, America's kind of on fire right now. Yeah. Before we started recording, we were talking about whether or not uh, it would be a good idea to postpone uh, this week's episode, uh, just given all of the stuff that's happening. If you have no idea what we're talking about, uh, just turn on any news. If you don't know what we're talking about, do better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's an escape for me. I don't want to speak for you, Ben. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, like, this, is, this is my yeah, only it's, source it's, of sanity for the last few it's, months. It's, it's, so. yeah, it's, it's certainly an escape for me. I kind of just want to think about things that are not the that are not the state of the world right now. Yes, and, and getting to talk about some very goofy things that have ha- happened elsewhere mm-hmm. would be nice. I don't know, like if you are like me and feeling kind of adrift right now in terms of what you can do, uh, support your support black owned businesses, uh, donate to bail funds, things like that. If you just don't want to listen to this right now, we totally understand. If you need to wait a few weeks to listen to this or just skip it entirely, we will not be offended. We completely understand. Let's talk about some news because we are in the wonderful part of the Eurovision off-season where there is nothing to talk about, so all of the news is real goofy. Mm-hmm. This is normally the period of the year where somebody is calling the Andorran embassy and going, Hello, are we doing Eurovision? Yes, although uh, this, this time, uh, like, yeah, this time we, uh, <laughs> we heard that they said no, but <laughs> but uh, Suzanne Georgi, who represented them in two thousand eight or two thousand nine, has said that she has found the funding, which was supposedly the big blocker for Andorra coming back. So who's to say? It's yeah. currently June twenty twenty. The contest is not happening until twenty twenty one, and even that is we- still kind of TBD. Like optimistic but still fingers crossed so. yeah finger, fingers crossed but but yeah so so we could be saying hashtag open up to andorra yes so um i mean that'd be nice i mean i've yep. it, in my experience of watching eurovision i've never seen them at a grand fi- well nobody's seen them at the grand final but uh, i've not seen them in active competition so uh yes that would be fun uh one person we will not be saying open up to in 2021 is sandro from cyprus the uh, the cypriot delegation has confirmed that following a mutual agreement with Sandro and his management and taking into consideration his schedule of commitments, he will not be their their artist in 2021. I mostly brought this up because just the phrasing of that, of his schedule of commitments, and like, I get it, I also really want to make plans in 2021. They probably could have edited the uh, boilerplate script. They could have found a better wording for that. Yeah, I... (laughs) If he's in the process of recording an album and it's maybe they're just sitting on an album until there's a more opportune time to release it and then having to do promo for that album. I mean, it's that is very up in the air and and not just for him as an artist, but like all artists right now are kind of facing that dilemma. I mean, Lady Gaga's Chromatica was delayed and like needed to drop at the most opportune moment. So, hey, the weekend that everything was supposed to open up. We'll see how that strategy has played out, but I'm not surprised that this is the outcome. I think their entry this year was not well received, so there's not that enthusiasm to build momentum for next year. And 
I don't know, like from the Eurovision Home Concert and other social media things, he seemed kind of checked out of the whole thing. Yeah. Which, I mean, granted, that could be for to, to be fair, who wouldn't be reasons. a little checked out at, at this point? But, right. but also, my reaction to this news was definitely not surprise. I'm disappointed in the sense that everybody who was supposed to compete this year, like not everybody's going to get that chance. And that's sad. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm sure they were really looking forward to it. But committing yourself to something that maybe 12 months from now could be as much as 18 months from now. I mean, that that's, that's a long time to lock yourself into a maybe situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, enough about Eurovision 2021. Let's talk about past Eurovisions. Because yes. the last two Eurovision agains have been delightful. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I I mean, I'm delighted just in that Eurovision again is continuing since, Mm -hmm. like, I I was expecting, like, the ABBA one to be the last one since it was that Eurovision weekend. Just like a heck of a bang to go out on. But yeah, we've gotten a few more weeks of it and we might be getting a few more weeks still. Yes, yes. So two weeks ago, it was uh, Riga 2003. That happened. Uh (laughs) That that happened and... And I think what was so hilarious for me about it is that from a very early part of Eurovision again, one year that always has popped up in the what year should we go to next has been let's go to Riga 2003 to the point that I got excited about. I have I know nothing about Riga 2003. Mm -hmm. And when we finally get to Riga 2003, I'm just like, this is your king for like the first half of it. I'm just like, this is wait, why? Just oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I said this on our Twitter feed uh, as we were watching it, where it seems like it was still in that transition period from, like, the 70s contests that we've seen, where they just have all the backing singers in a line on the stage, like that that old style of presentation. But then they're trying to move into like the new millennium and this was the last contest before semifinals uh, were, were part of the process. So, um. Yeah, it, it just it just felt like a kind of acne-covered 17-year-old just being like, I guess it's my time to go to Eurovision or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's such a good description. And also, I think I was just personally just like, because that was when I was starting to make conscious fashion choices for myself mm-hmm. was, was around that period. And just being reminded of the 2000s, just being like, oh, no. Oh, man. We had- oh, no. We were making so many mistakes. <laughs> we were making all the bad choices. <laughs> oh, yeah. I-, I think one of my favorite bits is just, A, 2003 is the year that the UK sent Gemini, which is oh, man. which is a no-pois moment. Mm-hmm. And listening to that song, yes, it's a no-pois moment. Um, but also just, I had not seen the performance of that song where it looks like Gemini's luggage has been lost on route to Riga and they have stopped at a TK Maxx. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious as to like why this one was so popular because I mean, I, my my one theory is that it's because Turkey won. It's the only time that Turkey has won so far. And I mean, every way that I can, that song is major. But even in that performance, I thought it was that kind performance of was was shaky. Yeah. So like that was really confusing. I mean, I, I think... On the whole, because it, it was also tricky because I think it was fourth in the lineup. It was it was fairly early in the show. Yeah. But it was probably, on the whole, one of the better performances. But that's not saying much. Like, I, I remember when it got to the voting part uh, at, at the end of the afternoon, it was just like, oh, right, I've got to pick 10 of these? All right, let's, let's yeah, figure this just, out. So Well, like, and I think 
another reason that it may have been near the top is that Russia sent Tattoo that year. Mm. Remember Tattoo? Remember how that was just like a big controversial thing that we all talked about? Sort of. I wasn't really in pop music at that point. (laughs) I was out of pocket. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, I, well, in fairness, they didn't really hit the U.S. for for like a couple more years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that was We were a couple years away from from wondering if the two schoolgirls are going to kiss. Right. But yeah, that performance also was just indecipherable. yeah, like I saw a uh, tattoo pop up. I'm like, oh, this is why they're a thing. And then watch the performance. Like, this is why they're a thing. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it was, it would not have sold me on the concept. Yeah. Elsewhere, though, I don't know why a couple years ago I had Sweden's entry from that year on a playlist, but I had, but all of a sudden it popped up. I was like, <laughs> why is this familiar? Can we also talk about Romania's entry that had like 17 costume changes and like a weird DJ theme, but it worked? Oh, that one, I think. Think might have, I might have given that one my twelve points. Like, I'm that pretty was sure I gave it fantastic. at least ten. If not yeah, like it, it was up there. Yeah, I mean, like all the costume changes. It was doing that thing that they referenced in Love, Love, Peace, Peace, where it's like, oh, you have a DJ to the set. Granted, that's twenty years old, but for your for Eurovision, it's new. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it definitely had that vibe. Uh, it was very uh, DDR level three soundtrack uh, stuff, which is like my catnip. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was totally well, on board for it. And then in thinking about that, just thinking about how the hosting dynamic was so fun because Latvia said, what if the two hosts cannot stand one another? Yeah, it was a very weird dynamic throughout the show. And like, I don't even know if it was that they didn't like each other. I think they just were just like, yeah, I'm here. I don't really Mm -hmm. want to be here, but I'm here. So (laughs) That said, I would just based on the postcards, I would like to go to Latvia at some point when we're allowed outside. Mm hmm. Yeah, it looked like it was a lot of fun. <laughs> looks great. Apparently, in doing my research on how to get there, you can take the ferry from Finland. Like, I want to do that hmm. now. Okay. Let's see. Anyways, I loved our, our little stop in Riga 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk about it, Rome 1991. <laughs> because if if Riga, if 2003 was the was just like a very 2000s Eurovision, this was like a very like end of the 80s hurrah. Oh my goodness. The opening video sold me uh, instantly. Uh. <laughs> just like the combo of like the Tadeum and then that as the starter. Yeah. Just like, yes, give me a full Italo Disco Eurovision, please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, again, with the questionable fashion choices, the what would have been state-of-the-art video effects at that time. <laughs> Man. Oh yeah, like that that was total Mike Nip and it, was, I'm, I'm it made still me think this like if, if if and when Italy wins again, like I want them to do that exact same presentation. <laughs> just a lot of the comments on Twitter were just being like, So if you love this, get ready. I w- I wanna see you in the seats for uh San Remo next year because mm-hmm. it's a, it was like a very San Remo Eurovision. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, uh but yeah, just like <laughs> Just somebody reading off of a clipboard, despite that we just despite there's a postcard, and then and then the host is still on stage introducing the act. Yeah, and they were very chatty hosts. They were so chatty. Yeah, and it seemed like they didn't really have anywhere else to be. Uh, this, uh... I yeah, I did love that Italy got the chance to host Eurovision and said, "We are Italy. You are going to be Italy." Everybody is singing an Italian song for the postcard. Yeah. <laughs> we. W- <laughs> 
we will do the English and the, we will do the English and the French at the end during the scoring. Which, sort of, uh, sort of. <laughs> like it, it really felt like it was just phonetically repeating what they think they heard the person on the other end of the phone <laughs> say. Uh, <laughs> oh, Mister Naif. Oh, Mr. Nave, yes. Mr. Uh, Nave. <laughs> I, I feel oh, less bad me. about my own French uh, after, after watching I, that. Yeah, no, <laughs> just like watching that, I was just like, oh, wow, we actually did a very good job reading mm-hmm. the French. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, like, let's talk about some of those entries, because like, my brain just keeps thinking of all of the fashion. Ah, uh, yes, the years were just like men's jackets were just like a large rectangle that had some buttons on it that maybe work. Oh, yeah. And in like pastel neons like simultaneously pastel and neon i I don't know how they managed to do either a pastel neon (laughs) or everyone is in varying shades of beige there is no middle ground yeah yeah so corolla one and i i have a compilation cd set that has all of the winners up until 1999 when they made the set Mm -hmm. and listening to the recorded version of that it sounds like the theme to like an abc sitcom and it's great love it Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I kind of got that vibe even from the live performance of it, mm-hmm. um, though I was thrown at the end when they were doing the winner's reprise and, uh, and English yeah, happened. Yeah. Like it was like a mix of English and Swedish. And it was like, wow, did like and did not miss a beat in, in nope. performing it both ways. So, uh, yeah, but there like, was the, like a... <laughs> the hair and the and the clothing of that one, too. It's like, oh, God, did you that just walk one... off the set of Empty Nest? Like what? Happened? That one, that's a very good one. No, like my. I was just like, this feels very junior accountant's talent show, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it, it, it was the style at the time. and it, it On the other a, hand, like, that yeah. was a breath of fresh air after, like, seven entries that were fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just she ran out on stage and was like, yes, yep. this is great. Yeah, doing a little jive. Like, it was just like, oh, wow, this is so different from what I would have guessed from this period i don't know yes so. well yeah because like everybody with with a few exceptions because again yugoslavia came out and had like some fun dance stuff going on but a lot of people are just doing like here is our main singer or singers in the front here are our backing singers in a nice neat row in the back and mm-hmm. we'll be singing our song thank you yes and they will all be dressed as bridesmaids uh yeah <laughs> it was nice to see that one particularly because that was the one where there was the tie uh between uh sweden and france and yeah, I think I was expecting it to resolve in a much more dramatic fashion. But I think maybe because the show was running very long, they decided to be like, no, we're just going to do this now. We're not going to like demonstrate the count back. It's just like, nope, Carola won. I, I got to get out of here. So <laughs> I, Yeah, like I feel like if that happened today, we would absolutely draw out the process and mm. make a big live deal of it because now the show is allowed to just be three and a half hours to four hours yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but back then i and, and like for all i know there was drama happening it's just italian was was being was the only language in play that year it was a very different show like i mean it, it did remind me of the 1979 contest but the 1979 contest was just so much more um on script i guess might be the best way to say it where it's mm-hmm. like okay we're going to do this in hebrew english and french but we're going to do it like very piecemeal and like actually read the mm-hmm. script before the show and <laughs> make sure we're pronouncing things correctly. And although uh, if I if I had to choose between 1974 and 1991 as far as interval act goes, I think I would pick Les Wombles again. Hmm. <laughs> Instead of just sort of trying to curl into a ball on my couch, going, "Oh no!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as, as more I mean, things wombles... happen. Yeah, and like in in doing googling, that was apparently a tribute to. Uh, the many sort of 
opera stereotypes that happen in Italy. So on one hand, appropriate. On the other hand, guys, we can't do the Mikado, which I know that wasn't the Mikado, but it's whatever the actual opera version of the Mikado is. And we don't do that anymore. Please stop. Yeah, that that portion did not age as one would have hoped. It's still available on YouTube uh, until the end of this week uh, when the next Eurovision again uh, will be taking place. I'm glad that this is still here. (sighs) All right. Thinking back to how this spring was supposed to play out, there were three other song contests that did happen this year that were kind of Eurovision adjacent, but didn't really get the attention, you might say. I thought it would be fun to kind of look into those contests and see what they're about. And uh, as far as I know, all three of them are happening next year. Exactly. And like you very specifically gave me a narrow set of information. So I am excited to learn along uh, to learn about this as you as you cover these, Mike. Excellent. So uh, yeah, the first one that we're going to talk about is the Afro Music Song Contest. Uh, So this is a competition that officially started in 2018. Uh, But it actually has a history that goes a bit farther back. So back uh, during the 2009 Eurovision Song Contest, uh, a new competition called Song of Africa was announced. The plan was for this to be the Eurovision of Africa, with the first contest penciled in for the spring of 2011. And this was announced during Eurovision week. There was nothing. It just kind of evaporated into the ether. And the running theory is that the licensing with the EBU or the overall logistics of the event just didn't pan out uh, for whatever reason. Like there's just no, but there was no press around it either. It was just like, hey, we're going to do this thing. And then nobody said anything after that. So it's like, all right, (laughs) we're not going to do this thing. I've, I've been there. I've been on those projects where we're like, we're going to do this thing. And then five people show up and none of them want to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know if it, if it got to the phase of people being asked to do work and just being like, nah. <laughs> I mean, I think this may be the same as uh, how Eurovision Asia is still penciled in for November 30th, 2019. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's happening, Ben. <laughs> so that one fell through. Uh, in 2014, uh, there was a coalition of broadcasters that tried to pull together Le Chant de l'Afrique, uh, which had... Nine countries confirmed, and about a dozen others that expressed interest uh, as this pan-African song contest. And in this case, the funding just didn't come together because, I mean, these sort of contests, like, they're not cheap to pull off. And yeah, they just weren't able to get those ducks in a row. Uh, The next year, in 2015, a London-based company called Cush Communications got a little bit closer to putting on an actual event, and they were going to call it the All Africa Song Contest. And from what I can tell, this was going to be a little bit closer to Melfest rather than Eurovision. Uh, So there would be multiple heats uh, with each participating country submitting a pre-recorded performance. And then the acts advancing from the heats would meet in Addis Ababa, uh, Ethiopia, to have the live final. This iteration had legs. Like, they had uh, UNESCO and the African Union signed on as sponsors, and Coca-Cola also expressed interest in the project. And it got far enough along that a few of the countries that were interested in participating actually selected their entries. Uh, One of those countries was Malawi, and their artist was, oddly enough, named Lake Czechia. (laughs) 
Okay. Oh, I was waiting for that joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is a joke. Uh, his, the artist's name is actually Lowey. And uh, he's still recording. Uh, checked out. Uh, there, he has a couple of tracks on Spotify. And yeah, they're worth checking out. Anyway, it's not clear what happened as to why this event didn't come to fruition. Again, there just ha- haven't been a lot of articles written about these failed contests. But the rabbit holes that I went down in trying to get any info about the competition was... Uh, that there was a lack of publicity, plus there's just a lot of music competitions out there. Like, everybody has a version of The Voice, everybody has a version of Pop Idol, everybody has a version of X Factor, and then you have the Eurovision Song Contest, and then, like, the less televised song contest. Apparently there's this uh, South American song contest that Nicki Minaj and Jason Derulo had songs in, which I think was just run on YouTube. Like, it was just, there's just so many competitions out there. So we're even talking about three in just this episode. And two of two of these contests are brand new this year. So, like, there's, <laughs> there's a lot to choose from. It's hard to kind of build up the buzz around any single one. If you have a song and you would like to enter it in a contest, you have many to choose from. Yes, and you may have already won. Uh, so, <laughs> congrats. Uh, uh, but the one that is only new-ish in this set is the Afro Music Song Contest. Uh, this competition launched in 2017 and uh, has been conducted entirely online all three years of the contest. And even though it's not televised in the traditional sense... It's a pretty thorough process. Uh, This is how it works. The songs have to be original, unreleased compositions, just like at Eurovision. Uh, But the songs can be up to four and a half minutes in length. Uh, Just like Eurovision, there's no swearing, no commercials, no politics, drink. (laughs) Pretty straightforward so far. Uh, The artist of the song has to be at least 18 years old and a citizen or permanent resident of the country that they're representing. Uh, The composers of the song can be from any African country. Songwriters and artists then go onto the website and pre-register so that they can get info when entries open. And the last couple of years, the entries have been opening in October. And what's interesting is the contest overall handles all of the national selection process. Uh, So they do the initial vetting of entries to make sure that all the eligibility requirements are met. And if uh, there are too many songs from one country, cutting down that field to uh, a maximum of 20 songs. Once all of those machinations are in play, it goes into the national selection process. And that voting happens uh, with a, a public vote and a jury vote. And the public vote is administered through text voting, and that way it's limited to the people of that country selecting from their country's national selection i hope that's clear but yeah uh, like that is that is very clear and that that seems like a very good way to to make sure that you are limiting that yeah yeah um and then the uh jury includes uh music professionals and also individuals with some sort of eurovision connection so it could be somebody who's performed at eurovision somebody who's written eurovision entries like eurovision bloggers eurovision podcasters hey after music song contest (laughs) Uh, and then once the scoring's done, it's done the same way as Eurovision, so 12, 10, 8 through 1. And whoever has the highest score goes on to the finals. So pr- pretty straightforward there. When it gets to the finals, the mechanism is a little different, but in very interesting ways. So it's still 12, 10, 8 through 1, but 
all of the participants from like 10th place down, they get one point. So nobody's ever going to get zero points, uh, which I think is kind of neat. The winner is the song with the highest average score of jury and public vote, uh, with ties going to the song that had the higher public ranking. It's probably some unnecessary extra arithmetic when you get down to it, but it would it would be the case of like if somebody got a twelve and an eight for twenty and somebody got a ten and a ten, uh like they're both averaging ten, but one of those acts is going to have uh, a higher public score. So that right. that's how they determine the winner. So I don't know. It 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 sounds a little extra, but it also just sounds a little bit more satisfying to me. I don't know why that's the case, but it's like, oh, that 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 makes sense. So yeah, anyway, uh the winner gets a trophy and uh one of the prizes they were trying to line up this year was an appearance at uh the 2020 Eurovision Song Contest. That didn't work out for some reason. Um, but uh, this year's winner uh, was Dortun with his song Yemi. Which he was able to perform during the Eurostream 2020 uh, competition last month. Excellent. Yes. That was one of the reasons I was really excited uh, about Eurostream because it was like, yay, we finally have a context to talk about the uh, Afro Music Song Contest. <laughs> and there's also a bunch of awards that go to other entries in the contest. Like they have the Best English Lyrics Award, the Best French Lyrics uh, the Pure Quality Song Award, a Trendsetter uh, Award. Uh, they also had an award for Best Fan Post for an entry. So if you're a fan of one of the songs and you have the best social social media posts for it, you can get an award for that. So it's like, all right, that, that's pretty cool that they're kind of spreading the wealth and uh, really getting the word out. Since this contest has been conducted entirely online for the last few years, they're not encountering the same sort of funding challenges that the previous iterations of this contest encountered. From what I've read, they're tr- still trying to do some sort of live final in some capacity. It, I, I, that could be a web stream or getting onto some sort of television broadcast. But they're at least able to kind of build a foundation now. Like they've, they've got three years under their belt. And until the TV part of it comes along, they're at least able to kind of build up each year and kind of solve the publicity problem that they had before. It's a really cool thing that's happening out there. <laughs> yeah. And like you gave me... You you linked me to a few of the songs. You like you gave me one of those Lawe songs. Mm-hmm. So I really should have seen this jo- that joke coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you gave me uh, Yemi as well. Mm-hmm. There were parts of both songs I really liked. There were mm-hmm. also parts where like okay, this is a thing that's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know any anything where I get to hear a different perspective on music, mm-hmm. it, and especially with these because there are harmony like. African style like close harmonies keep popping up in American pop music. Like Haley Williams just had a song come out on her new album that takes direct influence from like African style singing harmonies. Hmm. So catching little little pieces of of that here and there is always cool to see. Okay, here's how here's how music continually finds inspiration and sort of reworks itself. Yeah, yeah, and like I'm. I'm hoping that the contest just keeps growing because uh, I think it's there are 54 countries in Africa, and there's no reason that all 54 couldn't be represented 
in this contest since it's, since it's all online it's not like oh we have to have a three-hour show it's just like oh no we just throw them all on a playlist and then make your choices so this is definitely one to keep an eye on uh the national selection part starts in february uh and entries start in october so uh it'll be a little bit before we actually get next year's crop of songs but uh it's something to look forward to and like a, a, a nice contrast to uh the rest of the, to the Eurovision selection season, I think it's like oh, I just need a break from Europop. Ooh, what's what's going on in Africa right now? So <laughs> nice, yeah. Jumping gears, uh, we've talked a bit about artificial intelligence and songwriting on this show. Uh, so mm-hmm. as some of you may recall, uh, two years ago, uh, Ben, you made a Markov chain generator so folks could make their own Eurovision lyrics and song titles. We dumped all of the English lyrics in the past ten years into it, and it's my my pride and joy love it so much yeah and uh back in uh episode 61 i think it was uh we heard a creation from one of our listeners as well as the song uh blue jeans and bloody tears uh which used ai and the talents of itzar cohen and uh Avshalom ariel uh to create what i thought was kind of a bop uh yeah it was released uh either the day of or the day after the grand final uh uh, in Tel Aviv last year, and it's like, oh, this is this is a fun song. It had a fun little animation that went along with it. Yeah, kind of building off of that momentum, uh, VPRO, uh, one of the public broadcasters in the Netherlands, and uh, the radio broadcaster NPO uh, teamed up to form the Eurovision AI contest to kind of run parallel with this year's uh, Eurovision Song Contest. So teams from Europe and Australia uh, were using algorithms and other models to try to create a Eurovision-ish entry while also being transparent about their process and ideally making their work open source. So you can kind of just see like what it would take for a computer to make a pop song. Once the songs were submitted, uh, they went up for an audience vote and were also evaluated by panels. And the panels were just as interested in the process piece of uh, crafting the song as they were in the final product. In the end, there were uh, 13 teams from eight countries that uh, competed. And all the songs are on Spotify. Uh, I've got a link to the playlist in the show notes. And the winning song came from Australia's Uncanny Valley, and it's called Beautiful the World. Ben, uh, you had a chance to listen to this track, right? I did. What were your thoughts? Okay, so as a preface, th- there's like a specific strain of pop uh, where it kind of feels like aliens took apart a pop song and kind of put it together in the wrong order after they were done sort mm-hmm. of picking it apart and figuring out how it worked. Uh, like, because a lot of my love of Italo disco comes from that. A lot of my love of PC music, uh, this uh, music collective out of the UK that now works with artists like Charlie XCX, amongst mm. others. Like that, like they have grown over like the the past decade or so in terms of the influence their sound has had. So I hear a lot of that in this, uh, kind of the side that's kind of unlistenable in places. Because oh okay, I it's like because like listening to this, I was like, okay, on one hand, this sounds like a computer wrote it mm-hmm. in a good way, and and that's kind of it's kind of offbeat and it it it's doing things that we would not normally do because we normally don't write songs this way. Mm-hmm. 
The Vocaloidy vocals did not work for me, but on the other hand, things like Hatsune Miku have never really done it for me. Mm, okay. I don't know. It was This was another one where I'm like, this is super interesting, and I'm glad that they did that, and I definitely kind of want to go back and listen to the notes of this is how we did this, as somebody who is also a computery person. Yes, yes. So uh, part, part of their process, or at least a part of the process that I understood, uh, was that uh, their entry used the sound of animals native to Australia. And they fed those sounds into a neural network and a whole bunch of coding stuff happened that had me like smiling and nodding when reading about it. And Ben, I think you might actually understand what they're talking about. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm I recognize their algorithms. Words. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, one of the criteria for the audience vote was like Eurovision-ness. And I think musically, this song does check that box. Um, like it. it does sound kind of like a, a direction that the more experimental, uh, like, I, I don't know, it felt like something that you could get from, like, Bulgaria, or maybe if Netta was allowed to use her looper uh, in 2018. like Yeah, there was kind direction. of like a loopy quality to it. Yeah, and lyrically, you can kind of pull out the distinct Eurovision phrases uh, that were in there, like uh, ding-a-dong. Uh, I was supposed to say, I heard ding-a-dong. I'm like, okay, so that that's part of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Overall, I thought it was really cool and like uncanny. Like if when Australia decides happens again, Uncanny Valley might want to just yeah consider just like, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or just yeah, just like get them in the room as like the first draft generator. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that that was another thing that was kind of being evaluated in this was just how much, uh, because the way that the scoring worked with the jury, it wasn't it wasn't a ranking of okay, this is our first place song, it gets twelve points. It was being scored more against a rubric, and uh, one one of the items in that rubric was human intervention so like if somebody went on to like our lyrics generator and that was the extent of their ai uh they they would get low marks in the human (laughs) intervention they would get a zero because we did that yeah yeah the more algorithmic neural network am i using any of these words property figure that out yeah (laughs) yeah 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 the higher points you could get so uh yeah like i would i Intended to watch the live stream because mm-hmm. you linked me to the live stream, and then I saw that it was like thirty-five minutes, and I did not have thirty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like did catch the part at the beginning where they're like, "Can we figure out a song to compete with with, with Duncan's Arcade?" And just like, "Well, Betteridge's Law of Headlines says no." Right, right. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting experiment, and uh, yeah, there there's a baker's dozen of songs that came out of this project they're planning on doing it next year and then there's also a lot of supporting content as well they had the uh, video of the live stream of the final uh they also did a web series of uh following one of the teams as they're going through this entire process uh it is in dutch but there are uh, english subtitles so um yeah i recommend checking this out if you're into the this aspect of electronica uh so i think it was supposed to get a little bit more buzz uh since it was kind of loosely tied in with eurovision like it wasn't an official eurovision event but the broadcasters were just being like oh, no, the broadcasters were behind same. it i could see it getting like a fun little mention it like the the second semi-final is like a week to- yes what happens yes. if you put just, just thinking about like what what is the eurovision version of every news story about a crossover tournament that's something along those lines what's a seven letter word for fun yeah I can completely picture Nikki Tutorials having to like intro a segment of 
Mm. What happens when you when you accidentally dump 500 Eurovision songs into a computer and then yeah. let it do a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you crying? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so that's happening. It'll probably be happening again, particularly since uh, like it's still going to be the Dutch broadcasters. And they're just like, hey, we've, we've, we've already done it once. And they had fun again. with it this year yeah. and it seemed to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll it'll be like a place to visit if you need to step away from touristy things while you're in Rotterdam. So <laughs> just like a pavilion at the world's fair. Exactly. Uh, so the last contest uh, I want to highlight today comes from Germany. Uh, so a handful of broadcasters and other interested parties expressed their dissatisfaction with the EBU for canceling the contest uh, this year. And one of those interested parties uh, was pro which is a, a channel in Germany and uh, they wanted to put on a show, and they tapped uh, Stefan Rob to help out with that. So that's why the name of this seemed familiar. Like mm, this is the one that you let me Google nothing about. Exactly. So uh, Stefan Rob is one of the most prolific entertainers in Germany. Uh, he's hosted a bunch of variety shows and contest shows, and he also has a pretty lengthy relationship with Eurovision. Uh, he wrote Germany's entry in 1998. And he was their rep in 2000. Uh, he finished in fifth place with the song Vada Hada Duda Da, uh, which <laughs> I watched a video of that earlier today. And the best way that I can describe it, uh, since I didn't let you look up anything, mm-hmm. um, it was kind of the gibberish middle part of Korn's Freak on a Leash, interpreted by a disco cowboy who's vibing on the chorus of Say You'll Be There by the Spice Girls. Why didn't you let me watch that? Yeah. Sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I, I wanted to surprise you with it. Um, okay, also also just from, just from I was on board from the title. Okay, like, that, yeah. That, sound, that sounds like delightful gibberish. Yes, and, and you need to look up the video. It's not currently on Spotify. The original version is not on Spotify. There's like karaoke and cover versions on it. But it's like, no, if you, if you want the real thing, uh, you got to watch that performance. Uh, <laughs> it should also be noted that the this is the second time that the 2000 contest has come up in various things that I've researched for this podcast. So uh, your vision again, if you're listening... Could we maybe try to get some magic to get this show on the list? Because I would really appreciate it, because there's just some weirdness going on there. <laughs> okay, so currently I am hovering over the video still on YouTube where it's doing that thing where it makes an animation now. And I'm just like, I, this this looks delightful. Yeah, yeah, I I, 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 I think you will enjoy it. So <laughs> I am so excited to, to learn about this. Yes. So in 2004, uh, Stefan uh, mentored Max Mutzke. Uh, he's a singer who won a singing competition that uh, Stefan Rob produced. Max went on to win Germany's national selection. Uh, he ended up finishing in eighth place in Istanbul. Uh, then in 2005, uh, Stefan launched the Bundesvision Song Contest, which was a music competition modeled after Eurovision, uh, but it was between the 16 states of Germany. Uh, and this contest ran for about 10 years. Uh, in 2010, uh, Stefan Rob was the head of the German jury and head judge uh, in the national selection process Unserstar for Oslo, uh, which was an eight-week process that led to the selection of Satellite by Lena. And <laughs> I'd say that one didn't do too badly. Yeah, yeah. First win since 1982. Um, and the following year, he continued in his roles as judge, and he was still uh, Lena's mentor. And he was also one of the hosts uh, for the 2011 contest uh, when it was held in Dusseldorf. So 
Um, yeah, he's had a lot of involvement in Germany's Eurovision journey for a little over a decade. And all five songs that he had a hand in finished in the top 10. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a decent track record. That's a very good track record. He was considered one of the most powerful men in German television, and he was a presence up until about 2015 when he announced retirement. He was just going to step step away from all of showbiz. Uh, that was until this year uh, when Germany wanted to form their alternate competitive program uh, after Eurovision was canceled. Uh, Stefan Rob uh, ended up developing the Free European Song Contest, uh, which sounds a lot like the Bundesvision Contest. Uh, this show... Uh, was hosted by Stephen Gatian and uh, Conchita Verst, and they invited participants from 15 countries and the moon. Excuse me? Yes, I, 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 was, I was waiting for that response. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> from 15 countries and the moon. Yes. These contestants included Max Mutzke from earlier, the same guy who represented Germany in 2004. <laughs> Mads Mutzke from The Moon. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, he was the winner of Germany's first season of The Masked Singer, where he was the astronaut. So uh, he was performing as Der Astronaut, and he was representing <laughs> Der Moon. I don't they think stole our idea that like whoever wins The Masked Singer in the UK has to represent them at Eurovision and cannot take the mask off until then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he finished in third. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it should also be noted that uh, Mask Singer Germany is on the same network, uh, ProSieben, as uh, this program was. So that that kind of crossover, uh, it was a lot like Kelly Clarkson being the rep on World Idol uh, all those years ago. Ilse DeLang uh, from the Netherlands, uh, one half of the Common Lynettes, and uh, Duncan Lawrence's mentor uh, when he was on The Voice. Uh, she was representing the Netherlands. Uh, she finished in second place. All of the people who are representing, they all pretty much live in Germany. They just happen to have backgrounds from other countries. I'm guessing part of this was because of travel restrictions that were likely in place at that time. So it's like, oh, it's yeah. Like, Hello. I, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> I grew up in Spain, but yeah, I, I, I can represent Spain. But yeah, uh, I, I'm in town. Yeah. <laughs> hanging yeah, out. Exactly. So people uh, repeat it here in, in Hamburg. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Germany was represented by Stephanie Heinzman, uh, and her claim to fame was that uh, she won the show. Uh, Stefan sucht den Superstar der Singen Sol, was er mochte und gerne auch bei RTL auftreten darf, uh, which is also known as SSD, SDS, SWEMUGABRTLAD. This is the Johann Gombelpudi von Ohm sketch from monty python yeah. i will not hear anything less <laughs> uh and yeah that that title translates to uh stefan seeks the superstar who shall sing what he wants and who may perform on rtl if he likes congratulations stephanie uh <laughs> congratulations to stefan rob for apparently having that level of clout at german tv that that no one could tell him hey how about if ha how about it has a snazzier title oh yeah and that's a sequel series uh yeah i think the original title of, of it was of course it is yeah yeah so um yeah i think the original title was stefan sucht in superstar der singen soul uh i think the wasser machte uh onward uh was added later so <laughs> I, look, I look forward to the summer edition where stefan sells seashells by the seashore mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the staging for the show wasn't super elaborate uh, i mean it was just people performing in a studio <laughs> there wasn't like a giant like live audience or anything it was not an arena tour or anything like that uh but it wasn't just somebody standing behind a microphone either like these these were staged performances they it just wasn't like a stage the magnitude of Eurovision. 
All 16X performed, there was voting, there were results and spokespeople. Uh, some of the spokespeople, uh, Heidi Klum and Tom Kaulitz, uh, uh, were giving the votes for Germany. Uh, Duncan Lawrence gave the votes for Netherlands, which was kind of weird because that was the same night as Europe Shine the Light. So he was kind of double booked, technically. Uh, so that's cute. Um, and uh, Mel C from the Spice Girls was giving the votes for the UK. So, uh, hey, girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the winner was Nico Santos, uh, who was representing Spain and his song, Like I Love You. Ben, I think this one was on the playlist as well. Uh, did you? Yes, have this one was on the playlist. This is what won. Yes. Okay, I thought that this was just going to be notable for other reasons because it's fine. That is exactly what I wrote in my notes. It's dot it dot is, dot fine. <laughs> it's a strong okay. Yeah, like I don't know. It kind of gives me like Sean Mendez vibes, and that's just not really my bag. But um, I felt like I was shopping at an H and M in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which, I mean, that that probably explains why it, it won. <laughs> I, I guess. But yeah, no, As a Eurovision substitute, that is checking a number of boxes. It, it sounds very mall close. It sounds yeah. very mall close. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the show proved to be a hit, and they're planning on holding the contest again next year, uh, regardless of uh, what happens with Eurovision 2021. <laughs> so, uh, get hyped, uh, whoever else won Stefan Sucht den Super. I'm not saying it again. Uh, <laughs> Stefan Rob's world, and you're just living in it. Exactly. So... Yeah, like these are just three of the other programs that were happening this spring. And like we've been batting around topics of like other song contests and like we're not even getting into like the more historical ones like Intervision or Turk Vision or anything like that. That is for another day. But yeah, any questions about any of these? I think I'm good. All right. So <laughs> I learned so much about Stefan Rob today and I'm so delighted. Yeah, yeah. Like he he's uh he is quite the character. Uh a little controversial at times. Uh, there there were some uh bullet points on his uh Wikipedia page, but yeah, like I really enjoyed his hosting of the 2011 contest. Looking up and seeing that the moon was finally getting some representation uh, in a Eurovision <laughs> it's contest. It's about time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> On the, I, did you did you see in the comments? Uh, just to bring it back to to Eurovision 1991 for one for yeah. one final minute. Did you see in the comments of the YouTube chat that people were just like, "Come back, Yugoslavia," and they're just like, "Oh no, oh no, uh, oh no, they no." <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to tell them. Uh, I mean, not it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great news. Yeah. How do you feel about Croatia? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Mike McComb. That's me. And Ben Smith. That's me. You can find us on our website at EuroWhat.com and on Twitter and Instagram at EuroWhat. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. When you subscribe, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing, and help other Eurovision fans find us. Next time on the EuroWhat, we look at a specific 12-minute block of the 2007 Eurovision Song Contest as a way to introduce the event to newbies. See you in two weeks. <laughs>